Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to a new episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Alex Powell. Alex, uh, let's start off by giving everybody an intro to yourself. Man, thanks for having me. I'm very excited, oh, actually. I'm uh, <laughs> stoked. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. That's how I got started. So uh, a little bit about me. Um, so my name is Alex Powell. I'm a uh, full-time real estate investor. I live here in the west end of, of Toronto, Hamilton, Ontario, uh, or just outside of Hamilton, Ontario anyway. But most of our business is done here. Yeah. Um, my background is in mechanical engineering, and I left my day job to pursue full-time real estate investing about four years ago. Since then, we've uh, accumulated about 80 units. And so we've done things here locally from commercial to residential conversions to duplex, triplex, fourplex conversions. We just did a rooming house to a full apartment building conversion here in St. Catharines. So um, we've got lots of irons in the fire. We're doing some fun stuff. We typically like to buy super grungy properties. So uh, so that's kind of our claim to fame here. Um, mm-hmm. And recently we have actually with, you know, obviously your uh, infinite wisdom, uh, have <laughs> and, and uh, consulting anyway, we have uh, now moved into the U.S. and we have actually just bought our second property in Columbus, Ohio. Nice. All right. Yeah. You want to, I don't know, there's so much to talk about. Like all that stuff in Hamilton even is interesting, but, uh, or even St. Catharines, wherever else. But since we're Canadian investing in the U.S. podcast, maybe let's just, we'll talk about the, the Columbus stuff. Um, yeah. So, whoa. Uh, Honestly, like maybe my first question is if you're doing so much stuff in Ontario, why bother with the U.S.? Um, it's a good question, actually. Um, couple things. I think that for one, it's uh, I think that investing in the U.S., especially at the price points that we're pushing at, is very attractive. You can still find a lot more cash flowing opportunities in the U.S. than, for example, here in Ontario. You buy a, a duplex on the Hamilton Mountain. Let's say you're lucky enough to find something for six hundred thousand, which you know you're hard pressed to. By the time you renovate it into a duplex, you cash out, refinance, or you're trying to get the most amount of money in. Granted, you're leaving money in the deal, which is not the end of the world or not the worst thing. However, the property likely won't cash flow, or if it does, it's barely scraping by, especially in today's interest rates. So you either have to go bigger, larger multis. You have to find a property at a deep, deep, deep discount, which is also very challenging. Or you can kind of switch to a different market center. So um, I've got a lot of friends in Cleveland and Columbus as well. So Ohio was a very attractive place for me just from a personal standpoint. Um, I go visit there just because I want to anyways, uh, you know, often enough. Um, not often enough, I would say, but uh, but I plan to more. So now going into Columbus, it was... Uh, kind of a no-brainer. I did a lot of market research on like the areas and where I wanted to invest as an emerging market. I think that Columbus has so much to offer right now. And it's really exciting to see what's going on there with the new Intel plant, uh, you know, New Albany. Also, Google just touched down in, in Columbus as well. They're going to be opening one of their facilities there as well. And uh, we'll see. We'll see where the geopolitical climate takes us with like things like the automotive industry and things like that. But, you know, you consider places like St. Thomas and Windsor with the battery plants and with the Volkswagen plant opening there. You know, that entire, uh, you know, coast around Lake Erie there at the bottom that used to be automotive central, you know, Cleveland, Detroit, Toledo, even up to Buffalo. 
um, I think that there's going to be a ripple effect. And if these areas can reestablish themselves as good uh, touch points for these larger manufacturers and, you know, cheap housing attracts people, um, you know, they've got very uh, reasonable, you know, ideologies towards taxation and, you know, landlord tenant board, don't even get me started on how much better it is out there. And I'm sure you can talk a lot about that too. We haven't really experienced that side of it yet. We're just, uh, we're so new, obviously into it, but anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's what's drawn us there for sure. That's awesome. Um, did you actually go to Columbus or you, you did this all remotely? Doing it all remotely. Ah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like when you told me how you did stuff, a single tear rolled down my cheek. And I was like, <laughs> that is the most beautiful thing ever. Um, to put it in perspective, folks, uh, when when uh, when Glenn first, first introduced himself, he's like, uh, well, I, I typically work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, and I'm trying really hard to take Wednesdays off. <laughs> when you said that yeah uh, so i don't know if you were being cheeky or not i'm sure you probably put in time on extra things no doubt you're you're an entrepreneur but i do think here's here's something that's super interesting i was literally like over the moon today uh it's funny as today i've got a project happening in columbus we've closed on it i've it's about a thirty-three thousand dollar rental mm -hmm. that we're going to be doing i've never seen the property uh, physically, I've only seen it through like a walkthrough from our rep who we aligned ourselves with. I got three contractor codes out there, and both of them provided me with detailed scope items. And now I have like the guy was on on WhatsApp video call with me, and he's going through. And there's like ten guys in this building just ripping through something here locally. I would have been like, yeah, this is probably gonna take like maybe a month, month and a half. The guy's like, this might take us no more than three weeks <laughs> it's like what so they're and they're crushing it like i'm telling they're putting in a like they're chipping up concrete to put in the, the new bathtub in the basement all kinds of stuff so it's not like paint and you know carpet oh, yeah yeah it's a pretty in-depth uh renovation so and, and the funny contrast is here at our office in hamilton we happen to be managing the property next door and this is just because the, the guy who was next door came kind of buddies. He's like, do you guys mind doing the property management? You guys are managing other properties anyway. We're like, yeah, sure, no problem. So we managed this property. They had a leak. And I've got a contractor next door. I've been over there three times physically to see that place and help them kind of go through and analyze how to fix it. And that's next door. And I've been there physically three times. And I'm doing a project six and a half hours away. And I've never been there in person. It's just it's really changing my mindset towards where the best utilization of my time is. Because effectively, if you can bring in people who you can empower to make decisions and to run the businesses like they should be, and they're professional enough to come up with solutions rather than me having to give them the answers every single time, yep. you have this total change in dynamic. And you can really see where scaling is now uh, such a powerful idea in this entire thing. So here locally, like I think the most we've ever bought in a year is maybe 12, 13 properties in a year. Yeah. And it was a crazy year. In the US, if I find myself uncomfortable thinking of things to do. Uh, but I've covered my base. Like I've got insurance on the properties, utilities are set up. I've got my banking, it's all good. I'm just like, I should be doing more because I'm so used to always being in the nitty gritty. But I don't know if you can maybe relate to that when you transitioned as well but yeah oh no totally it's crazy
So if you were going to give advice to someone who was going to go, who'd be a Canadian, you know, Ontario, and going to go invest in the U.S. and be able to pull this off remotely, what, what, what kind of advice would you give these people? It's a good question. Um, and it's a good question because I'm not sure it, like what the right answer is to that other than because I, I feel like this is an industry you can fall very easily into analysis paralysis. You can do research. There's so much content out there, whether it be your podcast or this book or that book or, you know, how to run projects remotely, whatever the case may be. Uh, I think that at a certain point, you have to cover some general bases. So take a class like Glenn's class, you know, that's a good starting point where you can just get a well-rounded idea. I did that and it, and it worked well for me. So, uh, and then, you know, the other thing is how much time can you commit? Now I'm kind of proving that it's a simpler process than what I initially anticipated. However, I also know real estate very well from being here locally. So if you're not comfortable with that, you know, there's the flip side where you partner, right? So that's another thing that we do. But I would think that taking action in any direction is at least the, the number one step. So taking action as in going and doing some sort of training. Um, but if you found that you're on your fifth training class and you haven't done anything, not training class, but training, like, yeah. Yeah, you know, session, like of however many lessons you've been training for the last two years and you haven't pulled the trigger or done anything, I think that, that that might be something that you want to, uh, you know, reel back and say, okay, what was stopping me from taking action? What am I afraid of? And maybe I can partner with somebody who I can do my first one or two deals with, and then they can kind of hold hands as I see the process roll out. Um, that would kind of be my advice. Is uh, It depends on the personality, depends on the person, depends on how comfortable you are. But I will say that the U.S. is a different beast, eh? Oh, yeah. It's a... It's like a wild west out there. I'm, I get so excited about some of the stuff that's available, like subject twos and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. um, mind they, you, we they just are available. Subject. People think they're we like we actually, white unicorn. They're pink. I know. There I know. It's crazy. It's it's like, and just the conversation around it too. It's so like they've been through it all. Nothing surprises them. You come up with it, like I remember the wholesaling really became popular here for yeah. like the past four or five years. I don't know. People are like, this is illegal. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not. It's just this different element that maybe hasn't happened in a while. Over. And you, you also see that the market you know, fluctuates. And in different parts of the market, different strategies are more useful. Like subject twos, for example, those people that bought in 2020, 2021, they bought for 250 and locked in an interest at 2.8%. Yeah. And now... Fast forward to 2023, that 250 property is only worth 200 because market has gone down, but they've locked in at 2.8%. I'll buy that at the full pop and make sure that they walk away without any sort of debt. They don't have to pay out of pocket and I just ride it out. Yeah. It's just stuff like that. It's just mind blowing. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So you are super experienced. You're talking about all the units you had off the start, right? Um, and in going into this, and then um, you took the course, like you took my course that is in the advertisement here. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that I've created a new coaching program. I believe the new coaching program has way more value than any of the programs that have even existed in the past. What we've done is pre-recorded all the lessons so that you can work through it at your own pace, which is pretty cool. And then we're going to meet up 
on a regular basis to answer the questions, do deal analysis, and actually spend our time together working on things instead of spending our time learning things. I think this will make a seamless transition to buying in the United States and will help you solve a lot of your problems. If this is of interest to you, go to glensutherland.com slash coaching. I hope to help you guys invest in the United States and I hope we provide as much value as possible. Back to the podcast. Um, but um, if I don't want to tote my course too much, but I have to say something. <laughs> but um, do you think someone who wasn't as experienced as you could buy in the US? Or do you think you have to be experienced to take that course and actually succeed? Yeah, I think someone for sure. Yeah. I don't I don't think you need to be an experienced person to have bought there. Yeah. I think um a lot of stuff like uh it wasn't new concept to me, like how to run comps. For no. me, I was interested in like what systems do you use to run comps, you know, or how were you like for example in the US like square footage makes a huge difference. Here in Canada, it's not nearly as like a prominent, like obviously massive discrepancies for a bit of a yeah. difference, but it's like bedrooms, bathrooms, like it's very unique. Like the year that a property was built, I don't think I know what year any of my properties here were built ever. They just are there. <laughs> so um, these, these smaller nuances that are different, for example, we use lawyers here in Canada, they use title companies, you know, it's like... Um, and navigating just some of these concepts is, is a little bit different. Um, but fundamentally, if, if, you know, when you're buying a property, you have to set up, set up heat, hydro, gas, property taxes, you got to get your insurance. And then the renovation experience is, is another plus. However, you know, it, I, I will say renovations would probably be, and that has nothing to do with, let's say, your course. That just has to do with this whole idea. But yeah. um, something that I think that is wise to have somewhat uh, knowledge in I think that likely if you don't you know if you come across as maybe a little bit naive someone could try to take advantage of you but I think yeah. if you set yourself up with the right power team out there and that might take a visit or two so before I took your course I went to Columbus and I had called a bunch of wholesalers a bunch of property managers a bunch of realtors and I just met with a few of them and uh and I thought it was very valuable too to get a lay of the land to know don't invest in that area focus down underneath this highway because that's a good pocket you know it's stuff like that um but uh the renovation side sorry going back to it is uh is where i think that it, if you get yourself around the right team of people they'll put you in touch with contractors who will take good care of you too yeah and um as these were your first two properties in the u.s i know your experience in canada do you have any issues did like anything surprise you is there like any problems with closing any close problems with contractors getting key on wood no, no problems yes uh, but i will say this um in canada here your closing date is like oh. imagine it's like a, a sniper rifle with a scope and that date is right dead in the center if you deviate from that closing date every the bells are ringing in the streets and people are like we're gonna cancel this deal and sue you and keep your deposit and all that stuff in the u.s the closing date is like a mild suggestion yeah, like nobody cares. They're like, yeah, we're gonna extend it another week. I'm like, what? Like, this, I don't care. Fine. And actually, funny enough, I ended up negotiating another five hundred bucks off because I already had private money lined up, wired to my U.S. bank account, and I was starting to pay interest on. It. I was like, guys, you know, we've pushed it now. This is the second week we're pushing it. You know, hook a brother up, and they uh, they did so. So you got you got um, two pushes. Is that what happened? You had two two one week yeah. pushes. 
yeah, two one week pushes. Yeah. It wasn't too bad, but still, they had to clear their titles. So I get it. I'd rather they clear title than give me a property that doesn't have clear title, right? So. Oh yeah, and like even when you're you're buying when you're selling, the same thing happens, and you you have carrying costs. You gotta, you know, there's an expense to these delays, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And it always it never hurts to ask. You know, with anything, people can always say no, but never if yeah. you don't ask, you're kind of leaving stuff on the table. Yeah. Did Did you find Do you find the same thing? Like closing date isn't as rigorous. And oh, oh, completely. We're supposed to be closing uh, tomorrow on a property in Birmingham. It got pushed to the thirtieth, another week, right? Just that's just how it goes. It just it's. I uh, just I can't imagine if like I was a buyer and I had my truck packed because I have a moving company coming and I gotta move. I, I, I I've said that before. I'm like I don't understand how people actually move in the United States because you have how do you line that up? Like even if you're going from being a renter to a homeowner, like. Do you have to keep a, a crossover period where you own both yeah. and you're renting? Because how do you pull this off? Because they they don't have their timelines aren't solid. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's good on them. Nobody stresses about it. They're all like, yeah, yeah, it'll still be fine. Yeah. Okay. But the, the part cool. that sucks, though, is if it gets delayed like a month. And, like, if you're doing, like, a renovation, it could push the, like, you know, the season that you're selling this place in, right? Sure. Say you're doing a four-month renovation, like, you you may not want to be selling this in the winter, right? You wanted to get that fall market or whatever, right? Or you want to get the summer market over the fall market. Yeah. Certain 100%. markets are, you know, more powerful than other ones. So, Alex, you got two now? What's the future? What are you, what are you looking, what are you looking to do? What, what do you envision for this? Uh... Well, um, right now, so a bit... You asked me this question at the beginning. It's like, why go into the U.S.? Mm -hmm. Another reason that I, I failed to mention, and this is very prominent. Here, we work a lot with joint venture partners. We work with private money lenders, so people who are just looking to make an interest on their money. And I would have a lot of people reach out to me and say, hey, listen, Alex, I've got like 60K. I'd love to invest with you. What can we do? And here in Canada, it's like, I can buy me like a couple kitchens maybe. You know, it's like it can't do much because property values are just so absorbent. And so here we have a pretty high minimum kind of buy-in, I guess you could say, yep. where in order to work with us, you at least have to have some sort of uh, established funding in, in amount of like 250000 Plus, you have to be able to qualify on the back end. In the U.S., because we're dealing with a different beast anyway, and I mean, you've seen it, there's properties in Cleveland, Ohio, going for $60,000 and they will cash flow a couple hundred dollars a month. So our next big thing, and as we, like, we'll still buy here locally as well. Like I still love kind of being involved in projects a little bit more. And, um, but I think as we start to systematize things more, uh, like more rigorously, I guess is the right word to use, like more systematic approach to, to scaling, of course, I think that it's going to be more in line with helping or uh, working with other people to invest in the U.S. at these more reasonable price points. And I think that another play too, and another thing that comes to mind is cash flow. Here in, locally in Ontario, I mean, from an equity standpoint, Kaylee and I are, are, are sitting pretty. And I'm not, not saying that to brag, but we don't have high debt in a lot of our properties. We, you know, we've kind of, we haven't choked too many of our properties up too high. We hit, have maybe a couple of units that 
you know, aren't performing as they should because of the higher interest. But all in all, it's it's good. But I will say that cash flow is not nearly as good here locally as it could be for the prices that you're paying. Your your rent to uh, purchase ratio is like substantially more than in the U.S. So the cash flow play, I think, is the next play where it's like, you know, can you get to like what level can you get to to end up, um, you know, living a, a lifestyle that's kind of on autopilot, right? And so I don't see myself doing like flipping to me even here locally when we flip properties. It's a means to an end. We use flip proceeds to buy rental income uh, properties. So you can just get passive income. I don't foresee a massive flipping conglomerate. I don't want to do, like I, I aim to do a lot of flips, but all that money is to be funneled into buying whole rentals that are just going to coast and do their thing. Rented out by property managers. They do their own thing. And I look at my asset sheet once a quarter and I say, how are we doing? That's my plan. Nope. I totally agree. Totally agree. So like, especially when you're buying like those uh, $60,000 Cleveland properties, um, if you buy one, you're going to have an issue because you can't refinance that. It's below like lender's minimums, right? So you got to be prepared to buy a bunch if you're going to do a refinance or put a loan on it, right? To bundle them together. But, um, you know, for some of my partners that we do flips, right? We've done a flip or two. And then because you're like, Glenn, you have those in your portfolio. What are you talking about? And that's how they come about. You do the flip, you make your 60 grand profit. Then you can go sink it into something like that where it's kind of stuck, but it's sitting now, especially if it's in cash, it's a $60,000 place, rents for $1,000 a month. You're like, boom, we just made, we're now making $1,000 a month minus some property management, some taxes, insurance. But now we have a, a much bigger cash flow than even holding the $200,000 property and, and renting that. Like the lower ones are going to have the high cash flow. The high ones are going to be amazing for flips. You, you do some alternating, you do some rotating and you can really like make the, you can make it so you can leave your job. <laughs> like we both have, totally. right? Totally. <laughs> exactly. What's, let me ask you, what, what do you think about Cleveland? Um, Cause I, I look at Cleveland, I have to like be careful of Cleveland and for my own good, I see property values there and it's like, like it's a 3000 square foot mansion that's going for $18,000, but grant not maybe not a mansion, yeah. but it's like a massive property. I'm talking huge. Yeah, you yeah. see something like that come across your feed. Now, you know, that that property is going to take a hundred thousand dollars to renovate. And then when it's finished, it's only worth 80 grand. And it's just this like super weird messed up idea because yeah. Man, seeing a property for $18,000 just gets you riled up and it's just crazy. Like this is the best opportunity ever. And then you kind of have to peel back the onion a little bit. And you're like, wait a second. This is, you know, I've got to account for like my appliances going missing maybe once every two weeks, you know, people are breaking <laughs> in. Tape. I think you like nailed a, like nailed it right on the head right there. The, the nail on the head, like you got to run the numbers. It's like purchase the reno, the ARV, does it make sense to buy it? Um, if it, you're going to be upside down, obviously doesn't. Even if you're going to break even, then why don't you just buy one that's already renovated and, and not yeah. go through all that time with carrying costs and whatever else? Like you got it. There has to be a reason to renovate it. Um, one thing that's, um, I've, I've done a couple of these, but I don't specialize in, in them is opportunity zones. Like there are spots where that is happening like there's mansions they don't make sense for any investors to ever buy them and the government will step in and 
Um, the first one we bought, they offered us, um, we, we applied to have them pay for the renovation and the government countered and offered us, I think it was 12 years with no property taxes. Uh, Our second one we just bought is in an opportunity zone. Yeah. So you, you, you fill out an application and you see what you can get, right? Another one we're, that we're getting um, them to pay for part of, no, there's no capital gains. The other one, they said, well, well, you will have no capital gains on the second one uh, because of where it's located. So they'll come back with an offer of something to in order to incentivize you to buy in these this places. To make it's it's like it's legit, just like playing Monopoly and you land on the question mark and you got to pull the card. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, an awesome way to think of that, it. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, I, I actually, like I saw it as part of the, the package. The second one we got, I'm actually going to keep it as a buy and hold. Yep. Um, this property was completely mislisted. They sure. listed it as a two-bed, two-bed, one-and-a-half bath. First of all, it has two-and-a-half bathrooms. They completely missed a whole bathroom. Second of all, it has a sunroom that is looks, feels, acts like a bedroom on the main floor. So it's actually three beds upstairs, and it has this bedroom in the basement area with two beautiful-sized windows, and it's already finished, just needs some floors. It could be a four bed. So we're, we're, we're going to buy it as a two bed, one and a half bath, and we're going to convert it and lease it out as a four bed, two and a half bath. Kitchen, That's a everything huge advantage. The, like, Crazy. Because rent is based off of bedrooms, right? Um, yeah. if you're building and that's the thing that people always get messed up because in Ontario you renovate a house to renovate a house and between a rental and a flip it's not that much different right but in the U.S. like it's it is different right um if you over renovate uh, to a neighborhood you put granite and quartz or whatever into the property you won't get your money back right um if you're in the wrong neighborhood because it doesn't dictate it and they won't pay any extra for it right so you just waste your money you get the exact same price if you put like a laminate countertop in right the other side of the coin um, is, um, where is it? Oh, the bedrooms, right? So sometimes if you're, you know, hey, I'm going to make this a rental property. Like, so I have a property in Fairborn, Ohio, and we could have went either way with it, but we renovated the attic to be a loft as uh, to go on the MLS. It doesn't count. Um, it's not in that county. It doesn't count that as a bedroom, right? But for a rental property, it counts it as a bedroom. If it's a four bedroom against a, instead of a three bedroom, we can get an extra $200 a month in that area, right? So it's, you know, that renovation makes sense if you're going to keep it as a rent. If you're going to flip it, it doesn't make sense, right? Or it could have value to some people. It's like a Papuanian pool. It could have value, but it may not have value to their other people. Yeah. <laughs> so especially if you're in Ohio, right? It's going to, a pool may not have as much value as it does in Florida, right? Because like, honestly, if I'm going to go rent an Airbnb in Florida, it has to have a pool. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not yeah, dealing yeah. With, <laughs> with the heat, especially in the summer, right? Um but anyway, no, that you like there's so many differences. There's so many differences in just yeah. the little things, uh, the intricacies on how this all how they evaluate, how they how, what makes sense to do, right? And that's yeah. even um for me, a lot of times uh, like a lot of times the contractors like, do you want a rent ready rental or a flip ready rental? And I used to do the I want something in the middle, even as a rental. Um Rent ready is not what rent ready is in Ontario. Um, like, is it's it's like it's safe and painted. Like, it's um, it it 
I need a little. I've seen those pictures where they paint the the light switches yeah. the same color as the wall and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. I need a little bit more than that, right? So um, like we we're both just talking about contractors, like getting a scope of work. Like, what are they actually doing is kind of important, um, because mm -hmm. you could be surprised that some of the stuff isn't at the standard where you think it should be, because you're used to what a rental property is in Ontario, and it it isn't the same, right? The criteria, what people are live in, is not the same um trying to say that as politically as correct as possible but it's the we expect so much in ontario honestly mm -hmm. that's even as tenants they expect so much um so we know a guy we don't uh, we now manage his property we didn't before but okay. he had a piece of his laminate flooring that's separated and here you know the the not yeah. laminate, the, the vinyl click floor i'm sorry yeah, you know, yeah. cracked yeah, yeah. eventually this tenant took him to the L ltv for emotional distress because of this flooring and she won what five grand like it was the like i lit a candle at home and i was just like oh my lord <laughs> like 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 you are absolutely right is that there's a different expectation here i, I find it's just that's another reason. <laughs> I mean, the list just kind of goes on, but yeah, you did touch you're on the landlord-tenant board, but like you know, in the U.S., you just you want to raise your rent, it's easier. You want to do an eviction, it's shorter, right, mm -hmm. and cheaper. Um, if you want to hire a paralegal, that is right. Um, yeah. like a, like a lot of times, I'm paying like three fifty. I think the most I've ever paid is like six hundred bucks, depending on the state, right? Um, mm -hmm. but it, it's pretty darn affordable to hire someone to do this for you to the pair the labor the minimum um what uh what do you call that uh, minimum wage it's much lower right it's state specific but it's much lower um than it is in canada right the, you want someone to clean a house out it's cheaper right a lot of times trades are still going to be expensive right but you know you just general labor is going to come down in value right or price and I find that that the market actually dictates a lot of what it is like like it's there's an opportunity basis in the US and that's part of the reason I love it. It's like everybody is there to work to make a buck and you can work together and you know there's negotiating all the time and you're trying to figure out the best way to do it. Um, but you're there's an opportunity there to make money. And because of that, like rents, for example, you can go to your tenants and say, listen, I'm gonna jack up rents 500 bucks. You may think that's a great thing because comparatively we have rent control here in Ontario, but the renter can then say, okay, I'm leaving because it doesn't justify fair market value rent. Here in Ontario, you can't do that. But then again, tenants also can't go and find another place because there's a scarcity. It's like, there's like that. If there's, if there's, there's, if there's uh, availability for other rents, the market will dictate what the rent is. Exactly. It'll, it'll correct itself. People won't pay for it. You make a raise even $150 in a, on a place that doesn't dictate it, they'll just go somewhere else. That's exactly it. And that's the way I think it should be. You know? yeah. we, uh, we have an apartment in New Brunswick, actually. It's the same kind of concept there. You yeah. can't ask for more rent uh, because the market won't dictate it. And hence, their landlord-tenant rules are a lot more sane. <laughs> I'm a little <laughs> jaded, if you can't tell. But luckily enough, our units here, like we typically buy really shit properties and then we fix them up and then refinance them and pull out. But our units usually have like quartz countertops, stainless appliances here locally, right? 
Yep. But that's another thing that I'm kind of having to unwind and unlearn because as you said, it's if some areas don't warrant it. Some areas you need to just account for the fact that you know you're just buying something to make it safe, make it comfortable, but it doesn't have to like if it's got popcorn ceiling on the on the it, you don't have to change it, you know, just leave it. Right, just give the carpet a shampoo. You know, you don't have to replace all the floors. So yeah. or go into a market like Indianapolis and it's customary for the tenants to bring their own appliances. You're like, think about it. You think about all this stuff and what your costs are as a, a landlord that, you know, it's that thing breaking. It's replacing that. It's it getting dirty and having to clean it between tenants. It's just, that's just not even your cost. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> I see it all the time in like these listings where they, the appliances aren't there. Like what a weird thing. Oh, I know. Actually, for our purchase, they, uh, and I knew it too going in, but the contractor called me and he's like, sir, uh, your fridge. Where'd your fridge go? I was like, no, no, it was part of the deal. They took the fridge with them. Just, just <laughs> such a weird thing to me. It's like, just leave your appliances. It's fine. But here, like everyone just kind of trades the next place they go, right? It's just yeah. you buy new appliances. The buy the house with the appliances that come with it. So Just a little bit different. Yeah. Alex, I think we're going to have to have you come back in maybe the fall. But um, people want to get hold That's of good. you. You're doing some, sounds like you wanted to do some working with some people and coming up uh, people want to get a hold of you and do some Columbus or possibly some Cleveland coming up. We'll see. But uh, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, easiest way is actually just go through our website, um, www.palpropertiesolutions.com. And then my email is also apal at palpropertiesolutions.com. So that's one way. And then also follow us on Instagram. I think it's palpropertiesolution properties underscore solution or pal underscore property solutions, one or the other. Um, but I'm sure, you know, through the community, we'll have mutual friends or whatever, but that's probably the easiest way. Awesome. This was awesome one. I love these ones. Um, thanks for yeah. coming on the show. I think there's... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for your, um, for your teachings. And I, I'm very grateful for the connection and for the invite to be on here. So, big fan. You're welcome. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. That was a nice video. Bye.